Welcome to Agency for Agents, a podcast for real estate team leaders and independent brokerage owners looking to maximize profits, effectiveness, and gain freedom for their team and business. Your hosts, Christine Andreasen and Aaron Hendon, have been running one of the most successful real estate teams in the Seattle area for more than eight years. They know building a winning team means finding ways to empower, nurture, train, and develop individual agents to discover their own power, their own agency. On the podcast, Christine and Aaron interview thought leaders in real estate and personal growth to help you impact both your performance and your teams. We know it takes a lot, and leaders and brokers that crack that code reap the rewards of success greater than any they could ever achieve on their own. Well, hello, Jeff. You're nice and early. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Very good. Yeah, we're live. Hi. (laughs) Hi, I'm Christine. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, first, I just have to know why do they call you the machine? (laughs) (laughs) Just because, you know, especially when I started, it was everything was, I was very systemized. So I would get in at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the, in the morning on an almost an everyday basis and then just work throughout the day. And it was, you know, not have any distractions, you know, whatsoever. So a lot wow. of it was productivity. How do you get things done, you know, in, down into like if it takes, you know, 15 you know, minutes a day or, you know, each time I go to the dry cleaners and then another, and if I do that twice a week, that's right. 30 minutes, you know, it's 30 minutes a week, multiply that by four times a month. You're 24 hours yeah. out of your year going to the dry cleaner. So just trying to get down things that are, you know, really maximizing time. And then early in the morning, you're really, I think, working, you know, three times the pace that you are, you know, than when you're doing it with distractions in the middle of the day. So you can get a lot more done. So a lot of, I think, early success for me was really just, you know, spending a lot, a lot of time at it and getting more done. And then you get smarter, I think, the more deals you do and the more people that you that you talk to yeah really good yeah I love it right it's uh, that's the most pristine time for me as well because there's no interruptions and my phone isn't pinging every 13 seconds <laughs> that's right right all right and then tell me so you have a 40 person team in Florida is that right no we're we've got about 80 people in our group now now are you a so, is that your brokerage or do you run a team in your brokerage we started um I was with a brokerage and the um, I was with one brokerage for a long time. I had a couple different assistants. I would run between one and three. I got the three, then the the market had we had our crash in you know in 06 over here, like it was everywhere, you know, and survived, had one person. And then, you know, when we came out of that, expanded to a couple more people, had some luck with SEO and started to bring leads in and made a decision. It took me a while, but it was going to grow it into a brokerage. Um, and when you do that, you're out of the field. You start to get out of the field and that's you're right. managing, you know, you're becoming a manager. And that's, I think, hard for a lot of people to do. I think most people get stuck and they keep selling and they want themselves to be the star of the group. And if you're going to go to a brokerage, you've really got to make your agents the stars and your day is spent doing doing different things. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's really management and leadership are two different things, right? And everybody wants to be a leader, but then when they have to manage, it's like, ah. I think it, sometimes you take the best agents and they're really not good managers and or it could be and it could be vice versa. So it's hard to it's hard to find that balance. And there's better people on the on the sales floor than than I am, 
but I think I'm able to do the, uh, I'm able to do both and I can relate to my experience. And, and before I was in real estate, I was, I was a sales manager. I was a working sales manager. So it's the same, I think, set of right? skills was worked. It, was it drapes? Was it upholstery? Was yes. That? Nobody uses drapes anymore, but it was, drapes. it was the home furnishings, <laughs> home furnishings, fabric business is what oh, we're right. in. That's, that's fabulous. Well, tell me, what do you think? So if we have a new, somebody that's a fabulous agent thinking about starting their own brokerage or maybe even just their own team, what would you say they should put their attention on? What would you focus on? What do you think is crucial for them to really master? I think you have to, it's going to be the first hire that you do. And I think that first hire, then you have to be prepared to possibly fail with that. You may hire somebody and you you make the wrong pick. And right. sometimes you go through a couple of people yes. um, with it. So you're also going to go backwards typically when you when you hire somebody. Once you hire them, it's I think giving them a list of things to do, and you have to do a little bit of micromanaging in the in the beginning, especially. So I would give a list or maybe thirty things on that list to do during the day, and then holding them accountable. Now like you're talking you admin. Ready. You're talking admin or an agent. I'm talking admin. So admin. I think in building a team, I think your sure. first. You're looking to to free yourself up more, and then it's an admin. You know, as far as a team goes, it's I think it's empowering people. So, like for my own existing team, it's taking someone who's an assistant a lot of times, and then letting them grow into a position that they like to do. So, some people like to do listings, some people like to do network, but then figuring out and putting together a game plan for that person, and then it's just managing them and being and and being there for them. Um, being present in the office too, so they can listen in and then having conversations, you know, about it. Um, for us, it was, we ended up building a team. It was all under my name. And then when we became a brokerage, it took it all out of my name and let it be in the agent's name and is promoting the agent. So that's kind of how we, we morphed into, into a brokerage. Oh, very cool. So you don't run a team in your brokerage anymore. You just have your brokerage. I still do. I still do run a team with, within. So I have a team of three, but they're doing different things. They're helping out. Some of them are helping out the other agents within the team. Mm-hmm. And then we're cultivating our own things in there. And everybody's got, everybody's got different roles within our, within our group of what they're doing. And are you 100% out of production now? There's still some, I'll go here and there, but I haven't shown a house like in five years. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done an open house in five years. So I'm really you know, completely, you know, completely out of it in right. there. And for me, I also recognized that I got bored of selling. I did selling in the, in the home textile business. I used to travel 35 weeks a year and I would see four to seven clients a day. And I, I used to carry 30 to 60 listings on my own with an assistant. So it was just, yeah. you know, it was crazy. And um, I still enjoy it, um, enjoyed it when I did it, but it got, it, it wasn't as exciting for me as building um, the brokerage and taking on new new challenges and working with people. Yeah, great. I totally get it. Yeah, we're in the same spot. I would rather I would rather do anything than put a buyer in my car some days. So I don't <laughs> right. do it either. I'll pass the buyers to my team, but I'll take the luxury listings if they fall in my lap. Right. So you've done luxury as well. You did. I, I think I read something in your bio about luxury and uh, waterfront properties there in Florida. Yeah, we're we're you know I was just looking up our numbers. Our our average sale you know so far this year is. 872,000. Our average listing sale is a million. And, and we have some big, you know, we have a $27 million sale that we just did. Nice. So that, you know, that'll bump some stuff up. But if you go back, you know, a few years ago, we were at 526 was our average sale. So our numbers have really went up and they're going up at a percentage greater than the, you know, the, the jump that, you know, we've had, we doubled our sales 
from 20, you know, 21 to, to 2020. So we're in the process where we've had a lot of new agents come in and it's getting agents um, up to speed as quickly as possible, training them so that they're, you know, they're hitting it on all cylinders by year two, three, and four. And then you're starting to see their revenue, you know, really, really go up. So that's where we're, we're kind of in that position where we've got a lot of eight new agents that have matured and are now, you know, really producing. Isn't that lovely? That's so fulfilling, isn't it? Knowing that you started them as rookies and they had nothing and you were there when they were crying every day and saying, I don't know if I could do this. It's a, it's a, I think it's one of the hardest businesses to break in because it looks so easy from the outside. You know, everybody says, you know, I had a bad realtor when I did it, so I thought I could do it better than them. Right. Um, but and even, a lot, and you make $30,000 on one sale, they think, right? <laughs> right. Well, they, well they, they forget to take out the expenses and, exactly right. and, and, the, and you're splitting it with, exactly. you know, the, the other brokerage and all, Everybody and all, and and all that. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. Like, I think it's just so tough. They have to have so much grit. Well, we all did. We have to have so much grit in the beginning to get through that first year of you thought everybody was just going to find out you were in real estate and throw their deals at you. And here you are. You can't even... You're living on top ramen for the first couple of months, and uh... well, it, you know, the, the biggest concern that I have right now is we're, we have been in this extreme, you know, seller's market now for a couple of years, and when it shifts, and I think there are some signs that you know we could see a shift in here or or start the beginnings of it. I think there's a lot of lazy sellers out there and a lot of lazy um, realtors out there that have just forgotten what to do. Or think like Sunday is just a day off where it, it won't be on a long-term you know, basis. So getting everybody in line to, you know, so that reality, you know, when it occurs, um, they don't drop off tremendously or because we're going to see some agents, I think, that will, will disappear from the business the other way around. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. And I'm going to put a pin in what's happening in your market because I know in our market, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I, you know, the other day we had a listing that for the first time in years, didn't get an offer on offer review date. We're like, what? Because, you know, we're Seattle. I don't know how it is there, but I'll get 15 offers, go 30% over value, no contingencies, you know, 300 grand to cover the Delta for the appraisal and all that. But we had a listing. So we started talking about a shifting market. And one of my agents said, well, remember back when it was 90 days on the market was a quick sale. And one of my newer agents said, what? Like that's unbeknownst. So those new agents that have come in in the last two years, they've only seen this slice of the pie and they think everything sells in five days. And we're like, Oh, what are you doing to set them up for that? I mean, other than having conversations, how are you putting that fail proof plan in place for them? Cause they've been pretty spoiled. We well with our group, we kind of do an interesting thing. We pay for all the marketing and advertising. So we have our own in-house photographers, our own in-house uh, video and social media department, our own in-house IT. So we we offer the client a lot in there. We're doing a sales meeting on Tuesday, and you know coming up next week. And I'm going to go into a little of the history of the market. I was talking to some some newer agents today, just talking to, to them about this. Yeah. And they were just like, you had to carry a listing for, for how long? And, right, 90 and, days. You know, you know, in the, in the 07, 08 market, you're carrying listings for years. For um, and you're, you know, you're chasing the market down and, and stuff. So a lot of it, I think, is going through the history of the market and going through this and having a long in-person, you know, meeting and helping people achieve habits. I'm trying to get people to come back to the office 
as well and getting out of the, the habit, you know, that really happened from the past of working out of the house. Because the agents we've had that work out of the office are doing better than the agents who are working. It, it takes, some people can do it, and then, but a lot of people really can't. And then that you, you see just a lot of bad habits yeah. that I'm seeing from working um, out of the house because you can, and it, some of it's even just, you know, dressing up, getting ready for your day and all those basic types of things. And I was there too. It was, you know, working in shorts and a, and a t-shirt and the, and the cat jumping on the, uh, you know, on the computer and stuff. But um, <laughs> Totally. I, I get you. Like you were dressed up from the, I was always dressed up from the waist up. And if I had to stand up, I'd turn my video off because I didn't want them to see my pajama bottoms. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're trying to get people in our office too. We're not, do, we're not, we're not succeeding yet. One of the things we're doing is a lot of events. Like we're doing a TikTok Tuesday class and trying to get people around and other. Oh, I like that. What are y'all doing to attract other agents nowadays? We, we, we are doing some some things like, you know, we did like a boat. You know, we're in Florida, so we did a, a piece on the intercoastal. We did something called Smash, What's where you, you go to this one place, you, you put on protective gear and gloves and all this stuff, and you break things. And you throw like, you know, all sorts of stuff at the wall. They, they have all this stuff for you. So a lot of that is just getting out and doing things together, okay. I think, as a, as a group. We're going back to in-person sales meetings where we were doing everything, you know, via Zoom. I think Zoom has its place like it is right now where you can do things. But I think the in-person part of it, it's critical. Um, I remember when it happened and, and our computer guys are in Seattle. They run a lot of their, some of their programmers are separate. And I asked, you guys had the pandemic two weeks before we did. So he's like, oh, wait till you hit to the second week, wait till you hit to the third week. Right, so I was right. like getting a little uh, preview. But our guy told me, he goes, it takes about twice as long for me to teach something over Zoom or you know over the computer than it does without it. And I think there's storytelling that happens in the office. It, it's like we had an agent the other yesterday I ran into who was kind of down and she was in the office and she was having a problem with getting the fact that the appraisal might be too high even though that may be where market value is. So I took her outside and I said, follow me. And we looked up in the sun and I said, you know, not like the, you know, the ex-president, you don't look at it, but um, what do you see? And he goes, I, you know, it's the sun. I said, no, sun, if the sun exploded, you wouldn't know about it for eight minutes because that's how far light travels till it hits you. Wow. And an appraiser is looking 30, 60, 90 days in the past. Light hasn't traveled there yet. And you have to convey to your clients, however you do that, that the market value that we're seeing on the ground is not the market value in this market that an appraiser is seeing 90 or 180 days um, out. You can get that point across better in person by doing that type of exercise, I think, than you can just talking to somebody over the telephone, for example. Isn't that great? Good for you. And then tell me, um, what is happening in your market? Are you still getting multiple offers on everything? You doing? Yeah, we're, I think we're in a in a really unique spot in the United States. We're in Palm Beach County, so we have three major airports that we're close to. Nice. Uh, where we're driving distance to Miami and Fort Lauderdale, or the West Palm Beach airports, like twenty minutes from where where we're at. We it's you know, I'm looking outside right now, and if I switch, wow, it's here, beautiful, it's, right? You know, it's all. You know, the palm trees. And, yeah, no fair. Um, Here's my gray and gloomy. Ready? Gray and gloomy. <laughs> so we've also had just tremendous growth. So we've had a lot of such population growth. Like I'll give you an example. A town in Jupiter, Florida, uh, which is where I live, 
if you go back to 1980 in Jupiter, there were 9,300 people who lived there. Yeah. Today, that number is 62,000. So that's a seven-fold increase. Wow. And it was a podunky town with, you know, there was one Starbucks when you went to the mall. There wow. was a Mexican eatery, two towns over. Right. And so a lot of culture has come in, whether it's the arts and or it's more people. So when you have 62,000 people, there's there's a lot more kids that those parents have who live here. And there's more of a draw because of Zoom. There's more ability to work over here remotely. So we're seeing a much wealthier person coming in. We're seeing a lot of movement from the Northeast, from the Midwest, a lot of California here. Um, you know, some of it just cultural things. The taxes here are zero percent. You know, in California, it's thirteen point three percent. So there's more movement here, and that's not going to slow down. And we've got we're we're right on the ocean and the intracoastal, and there's golf and boating and and a million things yeah, to so you're protected um, from the from the ship to do. So Maybe. we're also built out land wise east of like our major um, highways. So that part has shifted where we used to have a limitless amount of land in prime area. So we're seeing prices go way up, more movement that's coming down here. On the flip side, we see inflation that's going on everywhere, sure. wages that are not going up at the same rate of inflation. Sure. There's not the savings that were going on during the pandemic where you couldn't go out to a restaurant or travel or, or do any of, the, of those of those things. Sure. Um, interest rates, you know, if it's if you were getting 3% and you could afford a home, let's say for 400, and that number now, because it's a couple points higher, is 320 or 340, yeah. you, you're taking buyers out of play from the bidding process. You've got the, the what's going on in Ukraine um, now and other costs that are going up. So I think we're at the beginning. So we're seeing, I'm seeing a little bit more inventory. Um, it's hard to tell still yet, but I see it coming that yeah. we're gonna we're we're gonna see some movements. And even where we are, we have a lot of cash buyers. If we don't, if there's trickle up economics. So if somebody can't afford a home and they can't sell their home in Maryland, and that that home they don't sell that, they can't move here. I think there are some pieces that are interconnected, but it's still the the, the biggest issue that we have where we won't go into a really bad market is we just don't have the supply and we still have the demand of people moving here. And that, wow. that part for our particular market isn't going to change. Isn't that great? Good for you. Much like us, you know, we have everybody from Amazon and Microsoft and right. tech companies, they're coming in in drones, whether it's a, and it's, we got certain, to build put up. There's certain markets, Boulder, Colorado, where there's limited inventory. They, there's, they can't grow the community because of the land situation. Google, you know, has a place there where there's they employ two thousand people. So yeah. that, the average home there was a million and a half dollars. There's right. just there, there's different markets. If you want to move to Buffalo, New York, whole different story. You know, right. Chicago, like Boeing just moved there. Right. Um, I heard you know this morning. So that you know that market is more of a depressed Maybe. market, and that's where I think where when things go bad, it'll it'll literally hit some of these other areas. You think Chicago, when Boeing moved there, you think it's going to do good for a Chicago market? Boeing, Boeing, Boeing is Boeing announced today. I heard from a friend. I'm from Chicago oh. that they're leaving Chicago now. Oh, they're leaving Chicago. Gotcha. Yes. Oh yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. no, that was a, and that was a big coup that you know getting Boeing for Chicago. Right. Uh, but you're you're just it's hard to you know this, a lot of cities have a lot of debt and um, the taxes are high and the weather's cold. 
So are you talking to me? <laughs> no, 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 not Seattle. You've got <laughs> well, for sure the taxes are high and the weather is cold, but it's beautiful here, and we got enough tech companies that we're you've got so much tech there. Yeah, it's we, beautiful. You know, we're really, we're strong that way. But we are seeing. I mean, you know, uh, that one listing I had, the first one in years that didn't get multiple offers. Of course, I knew everything on the market right around it. I called all those agents, and there were five of them that didn't get offers. I was like, like that. It was that weekend, two weekends ago, when the rates went up over 6% for a conventional loan, that little boop. I mean, there's still five and a quarter or something like that today, right? So they came down a titch. But that first weekend where they skyrocketed, it was spring break. And I think there's just buyer's fatigue. So, you know, they're just tired of being outbid. So there was that lull. And we're now... But the, you know, but the good thing is there's a lot of replacement buyers out there. And it's a great opportunity also to really start farming an area if you don't do that i think to you know get some inventory and yeah. and go after some you know go after some market if you have good habits then you can get all your habits in in line and train well you know there's there's some areas where you can get ahead of somebody faster in a market when it you know when it shifts i like a shifting market yeah uh, because everybody it takes a while for most people to shift yeah well i got in in 2008 so this to me is did you really wow yeah. Yeah, I got in this. I was a keynote speaker in the real estate industry for 10 years prior, and that went under, obviously, all of that market. And nobody was paying speakers $3,000 to show up and speak anymore. So they were all done. And then I got back into sales at the end of 2008. Everybody else was fleeing, and I'm tapping in. So I love that moving and shaking. Everything's all over the place. This has been crazy. I mean, I'm not complaining about getting. 20 offers, but getting 20 offers on a listing is a ton of work. People think it's all just easy peasy breezy. It's a ton of work still. So I'm kind of, I like a shifting market as well. So let's see, what haven't I asked you that you just think would be really great for team leaders, small boutique brokerage owners, somebody breaking into the leadership of real estate more than the sales? What else would you like? I think the best training advice um, for my two cents, which is always worth two cents, okay. is real world training. And it's doing a lot of role playing. So like if you're working the phone and you're making calls, you know, prospecting, let somebody listen to you, but then you listen to them and put them on the spot sure. and and let them make mistakes and then go back and forth with it. So a lot of what we do, it's that type of, you know, training where we can self-correct yeah, it's it's hands on real world. I think our industry really lacks, really lacks that. So th that's that's how we a lot of it's in person, different things like that. We do some training where we'll have, you know, with new people where we'll give them exercises of things to do, put them on the spot, you know, for things. So they're not just things that they're going to be where they're going to be thrown out there. I've taken people in the car and I'll take a three and I'll drive for the whole day for seven or eight hours and go through all the areas. And then there's a game plan for what to do with that and how do you learn the inventory. I think I think we forget how much there is for a new agent to learn. And that first six months are just going to, to be like that. A lot of it, I think, is managing expectations. I think there was, I read an article yesterday where it was a, the guy, it was a hundred year old man from Brazil. And he had the world's record for the longest job, longevity in a job, which was 84 years. And he was a sales manager. You can read that. It's like Walter Orthman with two N's. Sales so, manager of what? I got to write this down. Walter? Yeah. Walter, I think it's Orthman with two N's. So Walter, and Walter Orthman's advice is now in my repertoire, which is you live for today. You know, you don't worry about 
the past. You live in the present, meaning you let the past go. Don't what happened a minute ago, that negative thing. And we have negative energy in our business. There's negative things that happen and you're dealing with the other agent on the other end or your own client or something else. You just have to, I think, letting those things go and then moving and keep moving forward is a really good piece of advice. At yeah, least it's I worked love, for this guy for 84 years. Yeah, right. I love what, yeah. what I love that I'm hearing you say though for the new leadership, not necessarily the new agents, is that they've got to get hands-on with their new agents. They've got to be willing to be there all the way through it, you know, not being afraid to be put on the spot and doing it back and forth and really just being in the trenches with them a bit in the beginning. Yeah, we, we have to we, we have to forget what's we have to remember what's going on in their head. There's also a lot of anxiety, especially, you know, we bring people in from other industries and they're very successful or they're an agent from another area and they're very successful and they're starting over with no pipeline, no nothing. I think another piece, you know, advice I'm telling people today is to forgive yourself. Nice. At, that you're just not going to be able to learn everything you're going to get. You're going to go to see a house. You're going to get to the back gate in this gated community. It's the non-gated part. You're, that's where your GPS brought you. You've got two people in your car. Gonna you're, going to call the listing, you're going to call the listing agent. The listing agent's not going to answer. And you're going to be embarrassed inside and say, oh, my God, they know they're with the wrong person. That's going to happen. So take that in. The next thing is you learn that area now. And now you know where to go the next time. Okay. So there's, a, there's that six-month learning curve. Yeah. where it's the most exciting period of time, but it's also a very frustrating period of time. So, yeah. you know, just take it all in and don't beat yourself up so much. I love it. That's awesome. All right. Final question for you, Ready? Yes. What are you I reading? Am. What are you reading? What people, what's your favorite book right now? What are you reading? What's on your nightstand or in your audible? Desert Solitaire. Oh yeah. I haven't heard of it. What is it? Um, we, I just came back for spring break. My best piece of advice is with both of our kids, this is Friday number 741. We have two kids, uh, 23 and, and, uh, and an 18-year-old. And Jade is, this is her last Friday of school from high school. So I've taken both wow. kids out. I, this was a systematic time block for yeah. breakfast every Friday and driving wow. to school. And I, there's 39 weeks a year. So I added it up. There's 741 episodes. We're going to um, IHOP on Friday. But anyhow, we took for spring break, we did it. We do a lot of family Griswold trips. And we went to, um, we did Bryce and Moab and, and all that. And I had an old tour guide that I know who's um, actually from your neck of the woods, somewhere in the, in the Seattle area who we met years ago. And he told me to read that book. And it's about the desert It takes place in Moab. He was a park ranger, like in the sixties, but I think it's a lot of being comfortable with the environment, being comfortable, you know, with yourself you know, listening more, you know, zoning in more. And then there's some other, he gets into nature, but if I'm finding it a really, it's kind of an interesting read just coming back from that, you know, that, that area of, of the country. Yeah. Utah's beautiful. I lived in Utah for eight years. It's gorgeous there. Not the culture that I'm particularly used to, but go- gorgeous nonetheless. <laughs> yes. No, he had, he had some other interesting books about, um, uh, the other one was something about polygamy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Utah. In that right? area. Where, where, in, where in Utah were you? I lived in Salt Lake City for eight years. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Salt Lake City is a beautiful area, but we weren't, we were all over Utah, but not in that, in yeah, that um, area. In so just, yeah, we were in Zion. We flew into Vegas, then drove to oh, try wow. to remember there was a state park that was really cool. And then, you know, we did Bryce and Zion and, 
and then Moab and, and, and all that good stuff. Lovely. Awesome. Oh my gosh, Jeff. It was just great being with you. Thank you for spending some, well, I guess it's your afternoon, my morning. Thanks for yeah. spending a little bit of time with us uh, or with me and contributing to so many people. Let's just and I will definitely be passing the link on to my mom. Ah, isn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) It was delightful meeting you. Have an awesome day. Okay, you too, Christine. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Abundant Life Podcast, brought to you by Christine and Company and EXP Realty, the global online brokerage powered by top agents and cutting edge technology. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Your hosts have been award-winning brokers, Christine Andreessen and Aaron Hendon. For more on them, visit christineandcompany.com.